You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. I'm Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back from our respective mini vacations. We're both wearing blue t-shirts, and we're both a little bit tanner. We are both tanner. We are both exhausted. Uh, was on the West Coast, went to Red Rocks for a concert, saw my Rays play the Giants in San Francisco, but... We are back here, and it's time to get into the meat of preseason because, you know, Grump, the, that Cowboy game is like less than three weeks away. We're really getting close, and it's time to get serious. It's exciting. I'm getting it, very excited. Trying yeah. to get my, my belly in midseason form, trying to get my liver in midseason form. You know, I'm still <laughs> working on it. Uh, I drove um, nine and a half hours back from the Outer Banks, so I am shot as well. And I went down there the morning after the Lions game, so we have a oof. lot to catch up. Yeah, we, we covered a lot of miles and ground, but we are still covering the Giants, and that's what's the most important thing. That's right. So uh, the Lions game. First, just generally, how much did you watch? Did you enjoy? <laughs> well, I watched it on replay. I didn't watch it live. Uh, we had stuff going on also. Um, you know, it's uh, – no matter how hard you try to get in a bubble and not like learn anything before you watch it, you are going to find out things. So it kind of, when you are watching it on replay, you are kind of focusing on things you should be. So you know, I was watching things like, you know, how is John Michael Schmidt going to be? You know, how did the offensive line play? How did the co- the cornerbacks play? And you know, based on narratives that I already knew. So a lot of the surprise and the oh, you know, I was looking for things that just kind of validate what I heard already. So it makes it a little different when you are watching. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this was, this was like a very minimal starters kind of preseason game. So this is like the kind of thing that I get excited for, where I'm watching individual guys. I'm looking at battles. I'm kind of also, you know, this is where you see a little bit of experimenting. Not mm-hmm. a lot of game planning, so you see some wacky formations and stuff like that. So I get excited about this stuff, but as a viewer, it's not all that exciting. But you know, it's Giants football. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm always going to be excited. It's more interesting than when we went to camp, but it's not nearly as interesting as even what preseason was five years ago. I mean, everybody's adopted the Bill Belichick. You know, we're going to use preseason to, you know, try different things, uh, competition for roster spots, competition to start. Um, and then, you know, when we get to week one, we'll get the starters and the, and the things we know for sure. We'll work them into shape. So it is a little different. Um, you're right, though, but for us, you know, as we follow this team 365 days a year, you know, seeing these individual battles is interesting. Yeah, and um, I kind of want to I want to breeze through the Lions game and also kind of talk about practice this week, how, how the depth chart kind of changed based on how some guys performed. And this is the first time I'm really looking at the depth chart. So um, John Michael Schmitz was probably the first person I was going to zero in on uh, and I mean, he looked like the genuine article, right? He yeah. in, in his twenty-one pass blocking snaps, he had zero QB hits, zero pressures, zero sacks. Perfect. 
That's <laughs> if first game out of the box, well, we will take that. I mean, we said it, I think it was two shows ago. Like one of the things I'm really focused on this year is that, uh, you know, the two tackles in the center, that's going to be the linchpin of this offensive line for years to come. And, you know, the sooner, you know, Schmitz and this, and, and, um, Evan Neal are linchpins like Andrew Thomas, the better. So, Knowing that your floor isn't as low as you could potentially feel with a rookie playing gets you excited, even if it was a preseason game, even if it was limited snaps against, you know, guys who may not be playing, you know, on Sundays in the future. It was definitely good to see. Yeah, and and, and you mentioned tackle. Evan Neal was in the concussion protocol. He didn't play. Andrew Thomas is a veteran. He didn't play. Um, That being said, Evan Neal is out of the concussion protocol this week. Um, but backup tackle was ugly, yes. ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, as a result, Devery Hamilton was released, although I think he was waived injured, maybe. Um, Corey Cunningham didn't look too good. Matt Parrott didn't look too good. They added Julian Davenport this week. He was a fourth-round pick in 2017. I remember that draft, the 2017 draft. I remember him being mocked to the Giants at one point early on. I checked him out because he was like a small school, big measurables guy. And I was like, eh, I don't I don't really like screwing around with raw tackles. He's essentially Matt Pear in terms right. of, you know what I mean? He's, he's got the, the physical attributes tell you he should be good. All of the tape tells you he's not. <laughs> exactly. Great. Sometimes the eyes don't lie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, at this point, I would say John Michael Schmitz has won that center job. They were kind of toying around with, like, you know, Ben Bredesen's doing some snaps. And, you know, backup center was clearly, like, they were trying to figure out the hierarchy. But, you know, hoping, you know, willing John Michael Schmitz to win that. But he won that on his own. That's that's definitely happening. Backup tackle, I would say, is still up for grabs um, after that horrendous showing. Uh, and and guard is still completely in flux as well. So the offensive line is still kind of moving and shaking right now. And I also think having Bredesen, you know, getting snaps with center is was a good game plan regardless. If you know, I know they wanted John Eccles to win, but I think it's important to have him ready just in case, in case he is really bad, in case he gets hurt. Uh, sure. You know, we, we, we can't predict the future. It's going to happen for this season, much less what happens, you know, in the Carolina preseason game. So I, I, I think they did the right thing. I mean, of course you want Schmitz to take the ball and, you know, in game one, snap one and be your center for the next decade. But, um, you know, having guys like Bredesen who can play left guard, center, right guard, that's just makes him more valuable. And it's one less roster spot. You potentially have to worry about. You can fill out with something else. Yeah, and I, I know that the O-line shuffling is a contentious point with Giants fans. I understand it. I don't love the rotation when it comes to the regular season. I'm not going to overreact just yet. I'm going to continue watching because to me this is still them trying to figure out what they have and what they don't have. And the only way you really find that out is by giving out reps. And, and, and you know, mm-hmm. to me, I'm going to keep watching it and I'll freak out if they're still doing it, you know, in the th- leading up to that third preseason game, for right now, I don't really care that they're still shuffling the interior guys around and figuring. That I out. don't. I don't at all. These are these are 
these are hyper scrimmages. They're hyper practice sessions. I mean, that's what you do in practice sessions. You you work out different things. You try different things. This is not a game. I mean, a, I'm not going to do my annual rant about preseason games anymore. But you know, people are paying admission to watch basically practice number. 14 or whatever it is in, right. in in the list of practices. That's all it is. So don't, you know, don't worry about or don't get upset or don't get cause of concern if you see guys in different positions or playing too many snaps, not enough snaps, not in the right spot. It's the coaches are they're smart and this league is so advanced now and so scripted now that they've been thinking about this for months. Who's going to be playing on what snap in preseason game one and, and, and whatever? So and, and what if this guy isn't that good, or what if this guy exactly? Gets I mean, I I I you know don't not take note of it. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. I think it's noteworthy that John Michael Schmitz after the preseason game is now just the center. Like that's kind of it, and yet the guard positions are still in flux. I think that's noteworthy, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to panic about it yet. I mean, there is still time, so you know that's all. It's- is it still a little too early for you to make your prediction of what the you know on snap one of week one against Dallas who the uh, left to right is going to be starting? Yeah, I'm not going to pick that yet. I think there's okay. still time for somebody to win, um, and I, okay. I think they're I think they're trying to get Josh Azudu and Ben Bredesen on the field at the same time as opposed to Mark Lewinsky. But I don't think either you know I don't think that that's one out yet. I don't we're, think we're not there really, yet. Yeah, I don't think they've shaken that out yet. I think and they're, the and they're paying a lot of money for Mark Lewinsky, by the way. So to put him on the bench is a, a hefty decision to make, I think. It's a hefty decision, but it's also a decision of a, a front office and a coaching staff that's not playing the the hierarchy game based on age, experience, and money. They're playing right. – it's going to be based on these are the best guys who are going to play. Um, I think quarterback was – Kind of a surprising thing for Giants fans. Tyrod Taylor, in in a couple of series, was given a short field and, in my opinion, continued to look pretty meh. I know he's not operating out there with 10 starters or anything like that, but really looked mostly unimpressive. In general, as a quarterback, he looked mostly unimpressive. And then, you know, conversely, as the, you know, second and third teams really start getting into it, Tommy DeVito, who is... You know, New Jersey kid went to Syracuse, went to Illinois. Um, in his first showing, the moment didn't look too big to him. I mean, he he looked pretty comfortable out there with the twos and threes, and uh, I think that Giants fans are pretty excited about that. I'm kicking myself uh, because Ooh. I I had thought that over the summer, like, ah, oh, make a video about Tommy DeVito because I could see him being a guy that um, doesn't – I don't think he's going to be quarterback two this year. I'll start there. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that Tyrod Taylor's contract ends at the end of this year. And I think that there's a veteran quarterback that will be brought in. But I do think that they will want Tommy DeVito to try and push that. You know, with a, with a guy like Daniel Jones and his in, injury history, they're going to want someone with some veteran savvy there. But if they have, if they feel like they have a legitimate um, quarterback to grow on the practice squad behind two veterans for two years in a row, I could see him by year three being the really cheap quarterback too. Uh, I could see, I could see that. See, here's what I was like, to me. First of you know. I know Giant fans are really excited about Tommy DeVito, but I think if you take away the fact 
he's from New Jersey, has a last name of DeVito. I don't think you no, know, they wouldn't be as excited. But that's that's besides the point. Yeah, but to me, but I think they're this, also partly excited because Tyrod Taylor costs a lot of money, isn't that exciting, and they have this UDFA that looked like yeah, more than a UDFA. I was looking at this completely. I was looking at it in terms of him personally, where you know this is a guy that he's he's trying to prove that he could be one of these guys who could hang around the league for seven or eight years and might have seven or eight career plays in live action. Sure. You, you know, he, mm-hmm. he wants to be a guy who's he's your second slash third, more your third quarterback than anything else. And but and that's not something it's like you can throw any quarterback out there and do it. No. I think you need it's, it's a specific skill set, a specific mindset to be able to do that. Um, but I think I don't think I think it's pretty rare that teams have a guy in his position now to think. He's going to be that guy for the next five, five six, seven years. I, I think this is more about Tommy DeVito in his personal, you know, trying to get a footing in the league. Because you can get this guy for what the Giants are trying to do. And as the Giants are getting better and better and becoming realistic playoff teams and hopefully eventually Super Bowl teams, I don't think I can ever see this guy having to come in and play if Daniel Jones is out for two to three weeks. I think they're always going to have to try to get – a veteran guy who's played in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I So mm-hmm. I, I agree 100% with that. I think that a lot of Giants fans, it's more about the guy than it is about the player. And that's um, perfectly fine, too. And I'm, I'd be – I would – if he, you know, does the job, you know, and he, he's a 13 quarterback, he bounces somewhere else, he'd always be like, oh, that's nice. I'm glad to see he's working out, doing what he does, and he, he gets a paycheck and gets a pension in this league. I think we're all – in that too i just don't really have much expectation for him ever really helping this team you know especially in the near term so that's actually where we differ because i i um i mean i think it's cool that he's from new jersey went to don bosco i think that's cool but i could care less i was legitimately going to do a video because i saw a skill set that was like oh this guy runs around he can throw well on the move he's kind of a gamer he takes chances he doesn't have a bad arm. To me, he looked like what Tyrod Taylor offers, but more raw, you know, younger, whatever. So I saw a potential developmental piece there anyway. I didn't well, make fantastic. the video. Yeah, I, I, that, I, so this is all kind of conjecture. I, I I didn't make the video. I made a couple of clips, and I was just, I got distracted with other stuff. I just started getting more into the college stuff, and I was like, do I really want to do this? And I didn't do it. So whatever. I'm kicking myself a little bit because I would have had something to back myself up, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that... <laughs> I'm still impressed at how composed he looked early on in that preseason game. I'm not going to make a mountain of it. I I think that anything more than the practice squad this year and next year is a lofty expectation. But I, I, I think that he makes an impression on the coaching staff. It, I, I think there's something that could work there. I'm looking more long-term. Win. I'm looking Honestly, at three years down. Well, here's the thing, you know. If he, he makes the practice squad, that's a win because, you know, yeah. we have invested snaps with him throughout, you know, OTAs, throughout training camp, in preseason games. And if he can stick and at least that's one less thing you have to teach somebody to, to come in as another practice squad guy or something. He's already in the building. So that already is a win. Yes. It doesn't it may not translate to any wins on the field with the big team, but for your overall organization of the team, that's a win. Yeah. Um, 
And, and for what it's worth, I, I don't think he's ever going to be that quarterback two guy that's going to push for a starting position. But I do think that with his skill set, I think there's a possibility that with this coaching staff, he can be coached up in this offense to run a couple of drives if Daniel Jones is shaken up at the end. Of, you know what I mean? Like I, I, And that's my three-year goal for him. Sure, he's cheap. We're not up against a contract with him or anything. Yeah, we, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And we have time to let that play out. Yeah, let that dough rise a little bit, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> on the wide receiver front, I thought that it was mostly not that interesting. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, Tyrod Taylor looked bad, so he wasn't really throwing to a whole lot of people. Nobody was really – I mean, he just – there wasn't a whole lot of – Great passing. That being said, I thought Cole Beasley and Jamison Crowder stood out. Uh, they showed what they needed to show to me. They look better than twos, right? Cole Beasley's going to make this team. So, I, I mean, I think this week he's dealing with a bit of a leg injury. Um, and we're going to get into sort of the depth and things and who's going to have to show up a little bit more in the Panthers game, who needs to continue to show up. Uh, but I do think that He's, I think I agree with you, but he's still not in a position where an injury is a good thing for him. Like that oh, could that not. that could kick him off the roster if he's Absolutely. not going to get better. Yeah, he's he's going to get less benefit of the doubt if he has an injury than some other guys would. Like if he has a if he has an injury and it prevents practice or even playing next week or something, I think that means it's more like you're gone than we're gonna roll the dice with you. Yeah. It's yeah. that close. It's that close, really, and that's that's kind of a tribute to the overall depth. I think of the wide receiver room, also. I mean, yeah, and the last work that they year, did this off season. Even just last year, you know, he might have been bitten by a shark and lost his leg, and he's probably still going to be wide receiver three on this team. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't really have a whole lot I want to add on the offense but i'm i'm just i just want to point out that tommy sweeney had a nice touchdown catch that's all yeah i just wanted to say it i thought it was cool uh personally i don't love the idea of lawrence cager making the team this is like a little bit a conversation for down the road but i don't i don't love the idea of lawrence cager being tight end three and winning out over guys like tommy sweeney and chris myrick simply because they have Darren Waller this year, and if Waller gets hurt, they need someone to run his plays. I, I just don't love that idea. I don't think that makes the team better. I don't think that's the best course. But that's just that's my personal opinion. Um, I know I'm not alone with that. but I, So I just wanted to mention that Tommy Sweeney looked good in the passing game. He had a passing touchdown. So that is just noteworthy for me. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> – I think it all kind of ties together. I think is once we all feel better about Evan Neal hmm. being a better tackle, then we can look at the tight end position a little differently. That's I think everybody, point. I think everybody's so concerned, rightfully or otherwise, that Evan Neal is not ready to be a lockdown. Never mind even being just an adequate right tackle. That you're going to start thinking about the tight end room differently. I think once. You know whether either he just progresses and is fine out there, or is continues to be a problem. We can recalibrate what we expect and need from that tight end room. So yeah, and and that's a, that's a fair point. Um, but I want to, you know, I'm not going to go back and forth. That's that's a conversation for a couple weeks from now. Sure. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, first and foremost, Jason Pinnock locked up his starter spot. I mean, Great. oh my god, right? <laughs> I mean, did you expect that? 
No. <laughs> I mean, an uh, interception my, tackle for a loss and a pass breakup on fourth down. Pew. And I believe you said, I think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, and I said, what are you looking for? Big concerns right now. Didn't you say safety? Uh, Probably. I think you did. Yeah, so it's good to say the first thing out of the box, and you were racing to say it as soon as you said on to defense, you know, him playing really well like that. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and he just he looked absolutely fluid. He he didn't look like he belonged out there, to be mm-hmm. completely honest. And he was rightfully pulled after I think two series. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dane Belton, I thought, also looked good. He had an interception that was a little bit more of a sailed pass. You know what I mean? But it's there's something about being in the right place at the right time, and it's been the story for him going back to college. But he also had a really good week of practice in Detroit as well, and you know I something? think he's continued to have a good practice this week. You know something, Grump? Um, you know, we've talked about the the lack of interceptions that this team has had as a total. And interceptions don't just happen by, you know, blanketing a receiver or because you know, sometimes you're right, being in the right place and being and to anticipate things. And you know something? In this league, quarterbacks are going to sail balls. They're going to be inaccurate. And you have to be prepared and ready to, you know, be there to take advantage. So you know, I don't even want to give a little asterisk to say, well, that ball was sailed. It's like, you know, those are balls. If they're sailed, that means they're open season to be picked. So just the fact that we were able to pick a ball like that, I think is is progress for this defense as a whole. I also think it's kind of a staple of this defense. Like the, the this defense is not designed to let four pass rushers on the defensive line get pressure play after play and sit back in Tampa too. This mm-hmm. is a defense that is designed to put the offense on, keep them completely on their toes and ready to react. And what that means is, you know, that means pressures and it means QB hits. It doesn't necessarily mean sacks. It means them having to get their timing thrown off. And that's what happens. They, you know, they're going to get the ball out. They're not going to get sacked every time because we bring five, six guys. But what's going to happen is throws are going to be slightly off. And sure. th- that that's, and, and I mean, you think back to when Stevie Brown was with the Giants. He had like a career year simply doing that. He wasn't in super tight man coverage. He was just in the right place at the right time. He was just I don't a good think, safety. I don't think there's a stat for th- uh, pass attempts flat-footed. But <laughs> Not yet. We want, to, we want to minimize that because too often you see a quarterback back there three, four seconds looking around and just you know flat-footed, setting and throwing. We want to have them – where the feet are always moving when he throws the ball. That right. Many times as we can do that, those are wins because that's when a ball will sail. That's when a ball will be you know, spiked into the ground, you know, a, a yard in front of the receiver. That's when mistakes happen. You have to, you have to, you have to cause mistakes. Mistakes don't aren't just pass cut the defense. It's at the very beginning as close to the quarterback as possible. Uh, continuing with the DBs, I thought Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins looked pretty solid. They were not perfect, um, but Banks looked pretty steady. I, I thought he got beat by Jamison Williams across the field, but because of an underthrown ball, he was able to recover, and he recovered well. It wasn't just with closing speed. It was also with his hands, You know, knowing exactly when. You know, hand-eye coordination. He understood what open hands meant. He knew when to attack with his hands, pull back the receiver's hands, and get a pass breakup and otherwise i i think he was rock solid it was just that one play he was beat across the field 
we're not comparing every rookie in their first game to Sauce Gardner. No. So, you know, and we're not comparing every rookie to, you know, the best cornerbacks in this league who have been here forever. You know, there is a learning curve, and we always have to keep that in mind. So him not being perfect was never an expectation or or a thought in my mind. It's just – and exactly you said where he might have been slightly beat, but how did he adjust and, you know – that's those are the things you're looking for. You're looking for guys with no memories. So if they get burnt, it doesn't impact them for the next six plays. And even if they're burnt with any play, how are they going to adjust? And you know that's a you know a small little thing, but something to keep in the back of our mind. It should help us feel a little better because there's going to be growing pains. That you know, unless you're Sauce Gardner, having a, a rookie DB out there is going to give you a little agita during this season at some point. Yeah, I mean, Adoree Jackson gets beat from time to time. It's just sure. gonna, it's going to happen this year. Deontay Banks will get beat from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trey Hawkins was was worse. Um, he was up and down. He had good moments. He had bad moments. But I, I still think he's way ahead of his draft slot. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um. One other DB I'm going to mention was way later in the game. Uh, I thought Alex Cook looked pretty interesting okay um, he had a couple of plays I, I don't think he's pushing for a roster spot but if he winds up on the practice squad that'll be interesting there's always kind of like a db or or something like some some or like a linebacker that makes the practice squad that kind of raises your eyebrows a little bit that you weren't expecting i i'm jotting down the name alex cook now as a potential for one of those but then pencil that one no, yeah <laughs> um Okay, the edge spot. So no Ojolari, no Thibodeau in this game, no Hottie. So Taman Fox started, and that first play, that Jason Pinnock play, he was laying a lick on Sudfeld. Uh, I thought that Taman Fox continued to look good. I thought late in the game, uh, the Italian kid who went to Pitt, Baldonado, he Mm -hmm. looked pretty good. He got two sacks. One was a penalty for some stupid reason. (laughs) <laughs> um, and yet we see O'Shane Ziminis still continue to look unimpressive. Um, I think Edge 4 is now completely up for grabs behind Jihad Ward, and I think it's Taman Fox's kind of to lose at this point. I know we're going to talk about this a little later in the show about roster spots, but is O'Shane Ziminis a guy who's going to be watching Week 1 for the Giants on his couch? I think... Maybe week one, but I think he doesn't make it the whole year without being picked up by some other team for some roster spot. But yeah, I don't. I don't. I was kind of surprised he was signed back. Um, mm-hmm. I know they didn't really have a whole lot of choices, and they were bringing in some competition and whatever. But they didn't bring anyone else in to battle him, other than undrafted free agent who didn't play high school and or didn't play football until high like, school. That doesn't feel like competition. To exactly, me. and he's still <laughs> losing. Yeah. So. I don't know. I thought that was noteworthy. Ziminis had a moment where it looked like he screwed up, didn't really know whether he wanted to rush or drop back into coverage and just kind of flat-footed. We're still there with him years later. Um, and and he still doesn't offer much in the run game. So I, I don't know. It's going to be a real uphill battle for him. He I feels think, like the point. map hurt of the, of the defense to me. Like Yeah, but, but at a position where there are more plentiful options around the league. Yeah, than yeah. there are backup tackles, right? Right, right. But one of these guys is just like, it's getting late pretty quickly. 
with guys like him. <laughs> yes. Um, the news from Wink Martindale was that Micah McFadden is the front runner for the linebacker spot next to and or behind Bobby Okereke. I don't know. That, that doesn't seem like news to me. Yeah. It's I, like, okay. I know the, the coaches like to speak very highly of Darian Beavers and, and all this stuff. I didn't think that much about Darian Beavers coming into the league last year. He looked a little stiff in the hips to me. Very phone boothy with his linebacker play. And then on top of that, he's returning from an ACL. I didn't really expect him to overtake a guy who had an entire year's worth of experience at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know they brought in Anthony Barr. He came and left without a contract. But I, I think it's still noteworthy that they entertained Anthony Barr. Yeah, yeah. Well, for him to you know to speak of him, that tells you, you know, these guys they don't they don't speak off the cuff, coaches. You know, they, everything in this league is a little scripted that way. So they yeah. they they're trying to present a narrative of guys. So when they mention somebody, and they call someone out. There's a reason. Um. And defensive line, uh, late in the game, Jordan Riley looked pretty impressive. I thought, especially for a late rounder. Uh, I didn't. I. I you know, it's it's hard sometimes to look at defensive line players that are going to be like late round sleepers at the college level, um, mm-hmm. especially when they're playing third string guys their own late in games. Yeah, but you know he was completely moving dudes and then making some tackles in the backfield. So going, I I didn't know what to expect, like where he was going to land. And on the on the flip side, you have DJ Davidson was activated off of the PUP list this week. Um, mm-hmm. I have to think that they're potentially in a roster battle spot right there. Um, Good. At, at, at the position, the Giants are probably deepest defensively. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, that's kind of all I had from the game itself. Um, yeah, no major injuries to report, right? No, some guys got dinged up and they just kind of went out. The biggest one I would say is Colin Johnson. Uh, and I only say that because he's coming off of an Achilles. He had a really impressive pre uh, training camp last year. The coaches seemed to like him. I would even say more than they liked Darius Slayton. He was continuing uh-huh. to have a pretty impressive training camp this year. So any injury for him is a bad one because they are log jammed at wide receiver. And there is right. every missed snap for him is a missed opportunity to impress and push someone else off of the team. Uh, I'm I'm hoping we get to see him play the Panthers tonight. Mm-hmm. So um only other note I have from this week following the game they are continuing to move Adoree Jackson into the slot and let Trey Hawkins play opposite Deontay Banks in practice with the ones. After preseason week 1 this is no longer just an experiment to me. Yeah, I have that as a note. Um, so a lot of people have noted that like this might be situational like this might be when you have a team that has some kind of crazy good mismatch weapon their best wide receiver is going to play out of the slot maybe this is the time we do this alignment I think that's probably true I don't I don't think there's uh I don't think this is going to be a full time we're yeah we're rookie. moving him inside and we're just gonna play yeah. two rookies on the outside I don't see that either no way um, but I, I think it's probably emblematic that Trey Hawkins has made more of a push for a roster spot where there is a 
high-priced veteran there, mm-hmm. more so than Cordell Flott or Darnay Holmes has made a push for the starting slot spot where there's nobody. Right? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I, go ahead. I just think they want to get. I think just want to get both of those guys on the field at the same time and just get reps again. These week one things are glorified scrimmages, and, and, and you know. I, I, I didn't take anything. I know there was a lot of people like raising eyebrows and everything about it. I didn't because, again, you know, if we still see that in, in more than like one or two snaps in week three of preseason, then we can address it and say, hmm, what are, they, what are we really doing here? But I don't think it's anything to, you know, if anything, it, it, it's five more minutes of film that teams have to watch as they prepare, maybe in week one or week two, like the Cowboys or something. Right. And I think the Cowboys are a really good example of when they might deploy something like this. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if they would do it week one. Um, they might, uh, if for no other reason other than the surprise factor and the lack of film of a Dory in the slot. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I think there'd be more time spent by you know Dallas looking at film of him and being like, what do we do? Then we actually do it. Just you want to create a little, a little bit of a smoke screen, maybe. Yeah. And, and against a team like Dallas, it makes a little more sense too. You know, it's yeah. a game that's more important than maybe the Arizona game might be. And you know, I do think that Cordell Flott is going to end up with the slot position start. I, I think they like him a lot. I think that Wink Martindale likes Cordell Flott. But I, going back to my review of him last year after the draft, mm-hmm. I always felt like Cordell Flott was more of a natural on the outside. Uh, I don't think he's going to take that slot corner position and, like, dominate. I just think he's more of an outside corner. His skill set just looks like it. He's kind of long. He's lanky. He's competitive. He's physical. He doesn't look outmatched on the outside. Even And he's still super young. I mean, they could develop him. I don't know. They just may want to get the, the three best guys out there. It could be. You know? I mean, the way this defense works, so much of it is deception. Mm-hmm. Where you line up at the snap, kind of doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? So it might be just like, who are my three best guys? Who's one, two, and three, or four? And you we're know, seeing going into a dime. According according to reports, uh, we're seeing more three safety looks this week in practice than we were the week before. So I do think that they're adjusting and toying around with different things because no one has stepped up for that slot spot. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, the nice thing about these preseason games, too. And even, you know, there might have been a hint of game planning for preseason five, ten years ago that there's zero now that you can start doing things like that and just do it and see how it goes. You're not trying to game plan for a particular opponent. So maybe this week that's what they're trying to look at, you know, the the, the three safety set and see how that goes. What's interesting is that uh, Dan Duggan reported that all signs are pointing towards starters playing tonight against the Panthers in some capacity. Um, So I'm going to be interested in seeing how they deploy some of these starter slot looks, how many times they run some three safety with the starters, and then, you know, with the twos as well. I'm going to start looking a little bit at scheme stuff that they are toying around with right out of the gate. I want to see what they, what they're really throwing out there right to start the game. Yeah. Um, You, you may not have all 11 starters playing a full game and you get to week two, but you can start seeing the philosophy of what this team is going to be by then. It's less drills and more, you know, 
dress rehearsal. You know, who's actually playing where you can interchange, but we want to start seeing philosophies and we want to see seeing trends of how things are going to go. So we should start seeing that tonight. Yeah, and in this Panthers game, I think that this is a really important week for the two most crowded positions of roster battling, and that would be wide receivers and DBs. So I kind of want to, I'm going to list out how I view these guys and who okay. needs to step up here. So I think with wide receivers, we'll start there, right? Yes. Locked in is Darius Slayton. He got a new contract. Isaiah Hodgins, he's going to be yes. here. Jalen Hyatt, he was just drafted. Paris Campbell, I think, is locked in. I don't think I- Paris Campbell is a slot wide receiver. I think he's a specific kind of mismatch weapon that they sought out and they got. Um, And I think Wandale is also a a lock, but he might sit on the PUP list to start the season still. So I'm not sure how that's going to affect the roster. I mean, I know how it'll affect it. If he's on the PUP, it's one more wide receiver they can carry. Right, right. Outside of that, I don't think anyone else is a lock, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it might come down to potentially Beasley versus Shepard for the last spot. I think I agree with you. So the guys that are, I, I have listed as uphill battles, these are guys that are it's very unlikely for them to, to make the team would be Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Mickens, mm. Pimpleton, and David Sills. So that means yeah. that the guys battling for this last spot, three of them are going to be similar wide receivers. You have Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, and Sterling Shepard. And then that last one is going to be Colin Johnson because he's kind of not that mold. And... The, the right. prevailing thing was, you know, they have a ton of slot guys and not a whole lot of taller guys. Um, and, you know, when I look at this, I think that they might start the season with two slot guys that I mentioned, that Shepard and Beasley or Crowder and Beasley or Crowder and Shepard or something. Um, and then when Wandale's ready... Whichever one of those veterans is more hurt or looked worse gets kicked to the curb. I, I think, think that's totally possible, right? I think it's very possible. And, and right now it, I would say it's Shepard and Beasley. I would say so too. I would think Shepard – I think I think Shepard gets a bit of the benefit of the doubt more than the other ones. But yeah, I would say um, the other guys have to do more to drop Shepard than the reverse. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, that, you know, David Sills, whereas we immediately said we, we don't think he's going to be here when, again, how they built up this room where last year and the year before, he was starting. Yeah. Yeah, that's not crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean th- through just a bad room and injuries, like, we relied on him. And now we're the, he's the first guy we're like, well, he'll be gone. Well, to be fair, he had his chance. He's had his chances, and he he's clearly good enough to hang around the NFL. Um, but it, look, there was the way they they handled this offseason, He his days were numbered right away. He was going to have to come out here and just be blazing on fire. Playoff teams shouldn't have guys that are just good enough to hang around as major cogs in their unit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, flipping to the DB group, and I, I'm going to list all the DBs here because I think. In this defense and generally in the NFL now, the distinction between corner, safety, and slot corner is becoming more and more gray. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for the guys that I have locked for spots, it's going to be a little bit more lengthy. But I'll try my best to keep them grouped 
as best I can. So um, Xavier McKinney, Jason Pinnock, uh, Dane Belton, and Javarius Owens, I think those guys are all locked. Um, okay. Owens is interesting because I think he was picked late enough to not be a lock, but has already looked good, in my opinion. And uh, I, I think he's your fourth safety right there. Okay. Um, Adoree Jackson, Deontay Banks, definitely Cordell Flott, Trey Hawkins. Those guys, I think, are all locks. Yeah. You think so? I think they're all locks. Yeah. Um, the guys I have as uphill battles are, you know, Darren Evans, Jamon Green, Alex Cook, and uh, Oruarie. So what about – so what is Aaron Robinson? What's his story? So – Here's the thing. I think Giants fans are forgetting a lot about Aaron Robinson. I think they have a different view of Aaron Robinson than I do. But I have always viewed Aaron Robinson as your ideal slot guy. You I have. Th- I, I think yes. he is a downhill physical guy who likes to hit people. He doesn't have the long speed to play on the outside. Um, he's on the PUP list right now. You know, He can't practice, and that's awful for him. He needs to get out there and do stuff and show people things. But that being said, remember, he was the starting corner opposite Adoree Jackson last year. They, I think Wink likes him. I, he looks like a Wink guy to me. Um, you know, Obviously, you bring in guys like Trey Hawkins. They also drafted Cordell Flott um, and Deontay Banks. You have three new guys that were pretty much handpicked by Wink Martindale, you would think. Um, obviously, that puts a lot of pressure on him. But as we've already noted... Nobody has taken the slot cornerback role and ran with it yet. Right. Nobody. We've been talking about it. We've been talking about it for a while, even tonight. So with different possibilities. So I have him as an uphill. Uh, I have him as a battling guy. He's got to yeah. get his shit together, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that at the tail, he's at the tail end of that battling group, mixed in with Rodarius Williams and Bobby McCain. McCain was brought in here as that veteran safety that I think they thought was going to earn a depth spot. And the way Owens has played, the way Pinnock just grabbed the starting spot and ran with it, Belton continued has the nose for the ball. McCain just looks slow out there to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those three guys are towards the end of the battling group. But I think right at the top, I think Nick McLeod, I think, makes the team. I'm pretty sure he's going to make I the team. I think he does, too. I have right now on my list is making the roster. And I like him a lot. I think you can move him around. And the more you can move a guy around, the more he plays into Wink's defense. If you if you can deceive just by having a guy out there, you never know where he's playing. Sure. That helps. Yeah. We try um, to go positionless as much as we can. Yeah. <clears throat> Whoa. Excuse me. Um, and then the last two guys battling – Darnay Holmes and Zion Gilbert. Darnay Holmes has a pretty heavy price tag, and that's working against him. I I like Darnay Holmes. I think he's a good DB, just not for this system. Yeah, I, I, I think that's not looked, his fault. That's just the way it is. No, and he, and he was drafted into a system that I think worked well for him. I think in Patrick Graham's off-man coverage that allowed him to use his closing speed to break things up and, and whatever, I think that works for him. Here... He's not playing all. He's got to play man and be stride for stride, and I don't think that's his skill set. I could have told you that when he was drafted. Um, that being said, I mean he is he is kind of battling with Cordell Flott for that slot corner role, though. Yeah, but if you can get a guy that's you know, all things considered equal, the guy that's younger. Yeah. Go the guy that's younger. I mean, you're going to get more. You know, 
it's almost like spreading out a contract longer. He's younger, and you can use that younger because you don't have to pay Darnell Holmes at some point. So, yeah, I, I think he's definitely – he's got – he's on the upward, the uphill battle side of the spectrum for sure. Okay. Uh, and I, I think that Zion Gilbert is a sneaky one that the coaches kind of like. I think he's got really good length. He's like 6'1 or something like that. He, he earned real regular season playing time last year. Uh, I think over Radarius Williams, if I remember right. So I can't not put him on the battling thing further up, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. So very interesting, and I think tonight's game is really going to – I'm going to focus in on those two spots and see who's starting to separate themselves. Um, Because that's where a lot of the trimming is going to happen. Yeah, this is why you don't necessarily want to play starters in games like that because these are real decisions. These are, these are actually impact decisions that will impact your team. You know, it's not like worrying about well, who's the six wide receiver. These are guys that, you know, as soon as somebody gets hurt, these guys jump up really quickly in a position of real, real need. So, I think we we want to have it. We would like to have fair competition and good competition to really get the best guy. So, I'd rather have these guys get more reps to to kind of have the tape to make those decisions. Yeah, I'm 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 legitimately excited for this this home home opener, I guess, as you'd like to call it, I guess. But yeah. tonight's game against the Panthers, I'm excited to watch this. Hey, you want to uh, want to do something I didn't even tell you about, Grump? What's that? I have two tickets for tonight's game, and let's do this. Anybody <laughs> who retweets us or re-X's us or whatever <laughs> promotes this episode we'll put you in a drawing and like by 4 o'clock we'll pick a name and we will email you the tickets for the game yeah I hope you guys aren't doing anything tonight because <laughs> um, you know how exciting how exciting a preseason game is but no I, I do have tickets and I can't make it so um, it's last minute notice we probably would have done this earlier but Promote us any way you can. You're eligible to win tickets. Unfortunately, we can't offer a parking pass, but those are generally pretty cheap. I think parking is like thirty bucks. Yeah, or just take the train. Or, but I mean, not everyone might not you know be able to do that. I don't know. Brown bag your beer and just go on the train. Just kind of uh, throwing (laughs) that out there. There's there's no parking pass attached. So yes, yeah. Um, do you want to save expectations for this year for Monday nights, Tuesday Tuesday mornings episode? Yeah, let's do that because okay. you know the world the world could change tonight you yeah. know there i don't want to i don't want to jinx or say anything bad but you know this might be a completely different team that we're talking about monday than now and um i do have some material and stuff we can talk about it's like some fun things um perception around the league versus what we think as more focused giant fans and stuff and uh yeah that could be a fun yeah bit of material and basically as as the season draws closer um media outlets national media things like that are starting to make their expectations for the year and while we are our own expectations for the year is still a little bit away um i think it's still worth noting what the giants look like to the rest of the world yeah uh, so. and see how that how that reconciles what we all you know the two of us and all of you who listen and what we think too and it's interesting where that delta is not necessarily matching so it could be some investment opportunities for everybody if you have a investment broker in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the Vegas world. <laughs> um, all right, so that that stuff will all come for Tuesday morning's episode. I I apologize for our Lions recap coming very late, uh, but it is what it is. Um, 
And also, world I, travelers. I, I, I champion the idea of not overreacting or having an instant reaction to preseason anything. So, I, I care a little bit less about the fact that we didn't do that more so than anything. But you know, I know people like to listen to things when they're relevant. So. And I that's why we, that. and that's why we have our friends like Bobby and Justin who provide, you know, it, great, it, great work. Who great, great work for that. So we don't need to regurgitate exactly what they're going to say. We have a little different perspective on it. So, you know, between all of us, you have all the information that you need to be a smarter giant fan. You know, so yeah, but sure. but so um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Just Giants Pod at Football underscore Grump at the Cranky Fan. This is a legit opportunity to win some tickets to preseason game. Uh, I know it is just preseason, but hey, yeah, it's free. Share, so. Yeah, share, bump us on on you know on YouTube. You know the show will be up. You know anything you can do, like like it, whatever. We'll consider all those things and we'll we'll pick a winner. Yep, and um, yeah, uh, be sure to tell other people as well. Maybe you can't go, but uh, other people can. Yeah. Let them know that this is available for them. And uh, follow the show, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And uh, we will catch you guys on Tuesday morning following this Panthers game. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.